You know, one thing is, you know, the biggest, the, the biggest propaganda in the world is to tell somebody they don't belong somewhere. Mm. So that's that's what I'm gonna break. Yeah. Uh, that that that's that's the monotony in education that we need to stop. You know what I mean? Like, nah, we've been here. Welcome to the third season of the Hardwood Podcast, a program dedicated to sharing ideas, thoughts, and voices of respected professionals in environmental studies that care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. They all have lived and work experiences that add to their outlook and understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we here on the Hardwood Podcast are committed to sharing the voices of these individuals, as well as making space for others to ponder our dialogues. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Hartwood podcast here at Yale School of the Environment. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley, the hip hop forester, also, you know, representing where I'm from, 205 Birmingham, Alabama. And today is a different episode. This is way different because we're doing something, one that's near and dear to my heart and to my growth and development in hip hop and in the world. But before we go into that, I have to introduce, because we're doing this completely different. First, let me acknowledge my engineer, Nadim Damien. I just want to ask you to say something real quick, man. Thanks, Thomas. Yeah, this is a super special day. I'm really honored to be here with you and our guests. Uh, but I also want to take a second to ask for the patience of our listeners. Uh, this is the first time we have seven people on the podcast at once. But I can assure you all, this is a conversation you will definitely not want to miss. Uh, and I'm really, really excited for what's to come. Yes, sir. And so now, uh, thank you. Before we get to our special, special guest, I want to introduce our special guest host today. Uh, this, I am sitting next to one of South Carolina's finest and definitely Duke University's Center for Documentary Studies faculty. And I, we are joined by Michelle Lanier. And Michelle Lanier has a strong career and a lot of other connections, but what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna pause and just ask my partner here and friend if she would introduce herself. My forever friend, Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley, thank you for letting me on Heartwood. Um, I am so honored to be here for us to talk about uh, mm. Goody Mob, this moment. Um, we, when we talk about uh, you being a hip hop forester when we talk about the rootedness of that, it also connects to my passion as a folklorist. I am an Afro-Carolinian. Um, I have roots, deep roots in North Carolina, but also was raised and loved in, in South Carolina and spent time in Georgia. We're gonna get on that in a moment. I'm a folklorist, documentary filmmaker, museum professional, first African-American to lead uh, North Carolina state historic sites. Uh, so, I'm so happy to be here as uh, a guest co-host uh, on uh, Heartwood. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Okay, now we're getting ready to turn to the highlight of this evening. And I'm going to uh, do, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a bio, but I'm really going to do it based on my heartfeltness, if you don't mind, because um, I really have a deep connection to who we're getting ready to talk to. Many of these legendary groups, in the world have added tremendously to the development of the culture of hip hop, but none of them, in, as far as my 
my opinion, have been more innovative and impactful and inspirational as the Atlanta-based four-man lyrical band of brothers known to the world and known to me as Goody Mob. Some could say Goody Mo B. And I'm going to tell you, I remember Soul Food. And it said, the good die mostly over beat. And you take one O out, and God is in every man of blackness. This group is consisting of Big Gip, CeeLo, Cujo, and Timo. First formed in 1991 as a vital part of the hip hop collective known as DF Dungeon Family, yeah. which consisted of, I'm gonna say it because for my new hardware listeners, you need to do your history. Outcast, Witch Doctor, Backbone, Big Rude, Cool Breeze, and PA, led by the multi-platinum selling production team, Organized Noise, who has produced an album that we're getting ready to talk about. We are very um, happy to have these gentlemen on because 25 years ago, they released a record called Soul Food. And when I tell you they had food for the soul, it really did. And 25 years later, you know, people are still sampling that album. And in particular, uh, their first hit song, Cell Therapy. And people are still talking about the wisdom that they dropped. But I want to say this too. They also, they didn't just talk about soul food. They talked about police brutality. Yes. They talked about government corruption. Yes. They talked about loving your black people. And what they really did for me is they embraced the South and really broke it open for hip hop for, in my opinion, the South. Now, they've also had other albums. Still stand in 1998. They don't dance no more. World Party 1999, I See You. One Monkey Don't Stop the Show 2004. And of course they dropped Age Against the Machine in two, I think 2013. And I think CeeLo was executive producer for that one, I believe. Uh, but these gentlemen have also recently dropped a record uh, called Survival Kit, November 13th, 2020. And you gotta please excuse my excitement because I've been waiting to do this. This is like a dream come true for me. Uh, I met these gentlemen last year. I actually met them years ago, but we'll get into that too. Uh, but let me just say this. We were fortunate as very young men, this is them saying, to have been blessed with the type of foresight to try to inform and enlighten, but not necessarily speak these things into existence, says CeeLo. I would have hoped that people would have taken heed to our warning, then maybe we could have avoided some of what's going on. And because we at Heartwood talk about the intersection of diversity, equity, inclusion, we also talk about justice. We talk about identity. We're going to go a little bit deeper with these gentlemen today. So let me just talk about this last album and then we'll get into it. And the title, Survival Kit, came up after they finished the majority of the record, says, explains Cujo. A survival kit is something that you might need. You can put different things in a survival kit so it doesn't have to be the norm of what you think might go in a survival kit. And with the times we're living in now, you might switch up and have some hand sanitizer in there, some water and some food in there. You probably have to have gloves in the mask. You got to have a phone in the phone charge in there as well, but it can be a spiritual thing too. So, so everyone who is listening, I'm ready to open the door and greetings to, I'm say, I'm going to say what T.I. said to y'all, my mentors, yes. when it comes to hip hop, I want to sing greetings to these brothers who have really helped to, they, they not only put Atlanta on their back, they put the South on their back and they're still doing it to this day. And I want to just open the door and say, welcome to the Hardwood Podcast, Goody Mob. Hey welcome, guys. Welcome, y'all. Man, thanks for that warm um, intro. Great. Nice. Super intro. Very nice. Well yes. spoken. We appreciate you all so much. Um, before we started recording, um, I had a moment with my, my brother, Timo. You know, uh, Dr. Easley is here representing many things, but 
you know, blackness in the Ivy League. You know, you're here with Yale University. I'm at Duke University. I've been teaching at the Center for Documentary Studies um, as a folklorist and filmmaker for 20 years. But I would do nothing without the Atlanta University Center. And I see that my brother, my AUC brother, Timo, has uh, a sweatshirt that is representing what I'm calling the Phoenix story of the AUC, the resurrection of Paul Brown. Can I just see this shirt, please? Look at that. The only, the only uh, college in, in the Atlanta University Center founded by African-Americans that is, oh, yes, that is now yes. resurrecting. Look oh, at that. Yes. Represent. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I appreciate it. You know, being a Mars Brownite, being a third generation Brownite, you know, not yes. just to the school. My grandparents went to the school. My parents went to the And now I finished the school. Wish my kids could have been going to the school, but, you know, hopefully by the end, maybe my youngest one, maybe they'll have it together, you know, enough. You know, it's just sad to see, you know, organization, you know what I mean, have such type of trouble, you know, that's avoidable. Avoidable trouble, you know what I mean? But we getting through it. It's gonna be a beautiful day, man. But it's about that good tomorrow, you know what I'm talking about? A town, survival kit. Hey, hey. Survival <laughs> kit. Survival yeah. kit. You all, I think 25 years ago, were prophetic with a lot of what you shared, um, you know, when you first came out. And now you're here as almost like emergent elders. Um, but I, I wanna I wanna shift gears. I know Dr. Easley has some questions that connect a lot of your values to some of what you're doing with Heartwood. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so uh gentlemen, brothers, leaders, uh wanna start with some questions. Um so uh you know, I'm not gonna get too familiar, but I gotta be honest with y'all, I've been studying you all since nineteen ninety one. <laughs> I've been looking at, you know, like just the Dungeon family and we'll, and we'll get into some of that. And so here we go. Knowing that all of this started in the Dungeon, the Dungeon, please share for us how pivotal family support and understanding was to you all becoming hip hop music stars. And another way of asking that question is how was the Dungeon a safe haven for your creativity and maturation? Well, I've often described the Dungeon as a... Uh as a safe haven uh, and a um, and shelter for at-risk youth. Because we all were very young, you know, and um, we were given an opportunity um, at a very early um, and unpretentious time in our lives and, and point in our growth and development, you know. Um, and I'm very, I'm very fortunate in retrospect to look back and and see these four, well, actually it was a house, a house full of young men, but just speaking specifically about Goody Mob, to see the attitude that we took toward the opportunity and the approach that we took, you know what I mean? Because we had we had options available to us. We could have, we could have wrote stories stemming from our realities of that time, you know, what I mean? and not and not the optimistic outlook on the future. I mean, like, you know, we could have been, we could have rapped in real time, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? What I'm saying because I what I can recall us being straddled over a fence at that time. Some of us were, you know, like Timo, for example, was going to school and then also trying to pursue um, a musical career. You know, in a city that was barren of the opportunity. You know, I mean, there, there were no major labels. There weren't any industrial outlets at that time. You know what I mean? And so, a lot of the typical uh, snares and traps 
that are, you know, that, that are, you know, um, very typical to say, and we tend to fall into those traps um, by default, I mean, a, lot, a lot of the times, you know what I mean? Um, I'm very grateful for the way the dungeon, which was a home studio uh, owned by Rico Wade, you know, uh, housing himself, his mother and two sisters, how they were so selfless and so generous. Um, they were they were a godsend, you know, um, to not only myself, but everyone, every everyone involved, all of those, those wonderful names, those illustrious names that you named earlier, that, that entire roll call, we all either lived and breathed, you know, you know, in the extension of that home front and that in that shelter um, for extended periods of time. Um, some of some of us shorter than others, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, yeah, the dungeon was a wonderful means of of um, of salvation. You know what I mean, you know, it, it, re it really did spare our lives. And so, you know, it, it's was one of those kind of things where it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we were able to, you know, infuse some of that appreciation into the art form itself, into the music itself. You know what I mean? Because our attitudes were like, we, we were very cognizant about the way that we were kept, the way that we were preserved and covered, you know, mm -hmm. and just morally sound, you know what I mean? Like, and just genuinely proud of, you know, the South and, and the opportunity that we had to represent it in the best light. So, yeah, man, that that's how that music ended up you know, becoming what it became. You know what I mean? It's just uh, accountability. You know what I mean? We, 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 were, we were young, but we were responsible and we want, all wanted to do music that we could grow old gracefully with and, you know, um, and still perform with some dignity and some pride to this day. You know what I mean? And, um, and I think we succeeded in that. Okay, wow. And I want to say thank you because you said covering, you know, uh, you know, the one the one thing that, that you all definitely did, and I know you hear this a lot, but y'all did it for me too. Like when you said covering CeeLo, of course, that makes me think like about church a little bit, you know, and yeah. spiritual covering. And to me, Soul Food did that. Like Soul Food had, it was a composite of truth, of God, of culture, definitely a blackness yes. and, and intelligence, like brilliance. I mean, y'all, I mean, you all just really brought it, you know, on that record. So I want to thank you for explaining that. Because I've always been wondering why the way when y'all talk about the dungeon, the way Andre said on No Cigar, home for misfits. I'm like, I just like how y'all always say different things, like how tough it was. And, it, and I understand that it was tough, but there was so much love there seemed at the same time. And I think I think he also meant that, you know, even generally in terms of industry and their outlook on or their assumption on artists from the South, because there was no there was no representation, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like of the the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like of now, you know, 20 plus years later, there's the showcase. I mean, like we went from one end of the gamut to the other. You know what I mean? Like you've got Goody Mar, we're still, we're still a current event as we are celebrating and promoting a new project that we just put out, uh, a survival kit. Um, but then we also have a host of young other contemporaries with this young thug, a little baby, um, T.I., uh, Gucci Mane, Jeezy, you know what I mean? Like the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, we really went on to give birth to a nation, you know what I'm saying? Um, a nation of aspiring artists and, um, and entrepreneurs, you know, like, because our, our offspring, you know, really elaborated and expounded upon the business model of how music is done, sold, uh, promoted and, and purchased, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I can't say the same for, for every other region i only, only represent this one and I can, I can only see you know what our what our example was able to you know um 
to allow for, for the ones that came after us. Right. And so, I, so, I, but, I was, but, but before that, he said we all were misfits because there was no there was no inclusion. You know what I mean? Like there, there wasn't a South until we came. You know what I mean? Um, now with honorable mention of Jay Prince and rap a lot and then of course you have uh luther campbell and luke skywalker records in my you know representing miami um but you know um that was that was truly distinctive uh, and exclusive to those regions and it wasn't as embraced nationwide internationally and otherwise you know what i mean but our particular brand of uh of, of fusion uh being that it was from east coast west coast we got a chance to soak it all up uh, filter it and make it our own, our own formula, formula you know, our own feel, our, our own, you know, um, our own brand of, 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 of hip hop and black music, black excellence. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hey man, you know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 uh, the, the, the odds was got even on this one. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I want to just, um, bring in Cujo for a second on this one, because, you know, when I first heard soul food and i've listened to it i cannot even tell you how many times and then now survival kit is is like it's like as if we're revisiting that time it's almost like a spiral you know we're coming back to that same spirit but for this moment but you know i was intimidated by cujo's voice as a as a young woman i used to think i was like cujo I, i i think i'd be scared to meet cujo and then i remember when we met you all in Massachusetts, it's like I had to go as a Southern girl. I had to go to Massachusetts to see to see my family, you know. And I saw you all. And then when we met you, and he was one of the most gentle people I've ever met. And it felt like what you just described, CeeLo, home, family, mm-hmm. kinship, true connection. And that's what I heard 25 years ago, and I still hear it now. It feels like a family reunion for survival kit. Um, when I hear off-road, when I know that you all are doing everything for the people and I'm one of the people, CeeLo, when you talk about you all having offspring, what I, I need to put out there is your offspring is definitely hip hop, but it's also people like me who are in the academy, who are in the museums. You know, I was that kid in Columbia, South Carolina who loved hip hop, but I kept saying, man, I'm listening to Cypress Hill. I'm listening to Native Tongue. I love it. But what, who's going to talk about Big Mama? Who's going to talk about grits in the kitchen? Who's going to talk about picking blackberries, you know, in the summer? And I remember saying to my friend, um, Omar Edwards, you know, we, w- we would uh, talk about hip hop. And I said, one day we're going to have a voice of the South that, that's like this one day. And when Soul Food came out, I said, that's it. But, um, but Cujo, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about something I wonder a lot with you all is the, the, the mothers of, of your movement. Um, are, are there women, grandmothers, aunties, mothers that you all can call out, including, you know, I guess Rika Wade's mom or auntie, you know, who was involved in kind of being a nurturing factor. Cause sometimes these are the unnamed women who are a part of creating um, an environment that then can, um, bear the fruit of, of what we see today. And I'm just wondering, Kuja, if you if you would just join me in kind of honoring some of those those mothers. Oh, um, I mean, definitely got to honor um, Rico Wade's mother, man, Miss, Miss Wade, because when you talk about family, I mean, she believed in um, in Rico Wade's dream, you know what I mean? Because um, 
if she didn't believe in it, she wouldn't let us over her house. You know what I mean? Just some, just some strangers from different sides of Atlanta come to the house, but it just so happened that all of us had one common goal and it was music, you know what I mean? So I definitely want to salute um, Miss Wade. I got to salute my mom, Miss Knight, because um, I mean, just being out late at night, I mean, her not knowing where I'm at, but as long as I'm, I'm with Gip or I'm with Timo or CeeLo and doing some music, you know what I'm saying? That kind of, that kind of put her heart at ease, you know what I mean? So, but I definitely don't want to, don't want to leave out the fathers, you know what I mean? Because it definitely wouldn't be any, any strength in that house without, without the fathers. But I, so, but I definitely salute, I definitely salute my brothers that had fathers because I could, I could see the difference in having that, um, having that household man in the house like that, because I didn't, I, I was unfortunate to have that, but having brothers that had that, I could see how that was. But still though, like Miss Wade, she definitely had to be strong because she was raising Rico Wade and her, and her daughters. Mm-hmm. And just two as my mother, you know what I'm saying? She had to be strong. She was raising two young black men. Mm-hmm. And at the time in the 1990s, it was a cycle going on that young black men were dying over BS. Yeah. And the BS could have been anything, you know what I mean? Gang related, I mean, just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. So it just so happened that us four at that time kind of kind of escaped that um, escaped that spiraling um, statistic that was going on in the 90s, you know what I mean? So it definitely did all our mothers and fathers um, real good to see, to see us succeeding in, into what we had put all our time in in the 90s, you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, big up to the um, to Miss Wade, man, for allowing us to take over her house and play music as loud as we wanted to. Come over as late as late as we wanted to, man. She was just so cool, man. And I had <clears throat> I had never seen a um, had never seen a woman that cool like that, man. At that time, for real, to be honest, I just thought it was it was it was cool, man. Okay. But now I want to direct this. I want to keep it with you, Cujo, but I also want to uh, bring in Brother Big, Big Gip. Uh, this this next question, I want Has to- Has Big Gip joined us? Yeah, I think Big Gip is on. Big Gip. We got, we got Zaga. How you doing, Zaga? Oh, snap. <laughs> What's up? Hey. How you doing? Good to see you, brother. Great. Good to see you. How you doing, man? It's good, man. Good to see y'all, man. All right. Hey. Oh man. Okay. Well. Okay. So here, here. Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. Gip. Because you. You know. I. Well, I love your bars too. I love how you always. M u t a n t. I just love how you always doing that. Y'all. You know. Representing. But here's yeah. my question. Though. Thinking about both. You know. In particular, all four of you. But in particular, you and Kujo, your experiences. While you are are all four black kings, when you came together in 1991. The thing that I noticed that, that to me at least that's how you characterized yourself. You know, you you know, we brothers, we black men. But however, you know, as life goes, you know, something you know, like our lives change. Mm. And what I would like to ask you is, in 2020, are there any other identities or categories that you would add to the description of like who you are, who you identify, or different communities that you may be connected to? So yeah, so that's the question. 2020, are there any other identities that you all would like speak to and connect with? Uh yeah. I mean, I mean, it's 2020, and and, and if you ask me what I'm doing extra, I mean it, it would just be about it's trying my best to heal people. 
Mm. That's about it. You know, that I, I feel like right now we're in a spiritual world. So with that being said, I mean, as you see, like people are raving over Goody Mar being back because they wanted to hear people with complete thoughts and real and real something to say in this madness. So with that being said, yeah, you know, we got different parts. All of us are, uh, are owners and in, in different kind of businesses. Me personally, I, I do the CBD, I do the THC. So my whole thing is just, you know, opening up more businesses and, and being able to service the community, man, because what we, you know, as we know, you know, the things that these kids was out here selling and these these synthetic drugs, they were killing them. You know what I mean? They were killing they were killing these children out here. So my thing is just to try and educate our, our kids to be like, it's other ways to go and it's other ways to heal yourself. So, you know, for me, it's just about just being a healer, man. We, we do that with the music. So to be able to do another another part of healing and helping people in another way, that's, that's it's brought a big joy to me. So that's what it is to continue what we're doing, just being leaders and, and being good good examples of what Southern men look like. See, this is a difference. The, the way they carry themselves other places, they just have never had this kind of thing. You had to be brought up under this bit mama, you know, uh, kind of kind of situation. So, you know, with that being said, you know, I think that's the reason why we 25 years later can come back and bring that feeling that nobody else can do because it's the way we were raised and it's the way we think. It's natural. And I so, I so appreciate also how you make space to talk about how blackness doesn't have to be a, a simple concept. I, I love that you always, you always talk about indigenous um, roots as well. And that's really important to me. I'm, you know, here in North Carolina, we have eight state recognized tribes. And I, I love to work in solidarity with our Lumbee and our Halawasaponi and our Okanichee. Um, and in our Cherokee, you know, these, these are folks that I, I get to work with. Um, I've been in, I'm sure we all have been in those situations where the, you're the only black person in a room and I look around and I say, but where are our first nation people? Yeah. You know, I believe it has to be a solidarity movement. I don't know if you want to speak at all about that. I know that's a message that's well, consistent for you. Well, you know, my grandmother and my family, a lot of my family members were the full blooded Cherokee. So it's just something that's in my family. My my grandmothers that was over in Alabama, they were Blackfoot. So it's just, I, I just always had that actual teachings in my house, you know what I mean, and in my grandmother's house. So with that being said, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, I feel like the whole African thing and what we talk about and a lot of things that we've been taught in the books is just totally false. It's like a lot of us didn't make those trips. A lot of us didn't even survive more than 20 years during those times. And if you go back and look at the actuals, the actual facts about the situation, there wasn't more than a hundred slaves in, in Georgia at the time, once before, before the Civil War started. So that lets you know again that, hey man, where, where was all these other people? So that lets you know that what happened to all the tribes? So it, it didn't nothing happen to them. Some of us escaped, we made families with them people. That's why my hair the way it is. That's why my eyes the way it is. It's like, so some of us, escape and created whole new families. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the part that I think that we need to get back to because we try and skip over a lot of stuff. Everybody yeah. didn't come from Africa. And I have to I have to reiterate that because it was years and years and years before anything turned into anything else. The slaves came, it was only a few left. A lot of them got killed. A lot of them booked. A lot of them didn't even make the journey. Let's be honest. So with that being said, a lot of Indian and indigenous people were killed during those times. So with that being said, my grandmother used to always tell me like, 
you know, baby, a lot of us escaped. We lived in the woods with Indy. So with that being said, hey, man, everybody wasn't connected to Africa. Everybody didn't come from Africa. Some of us was from right here. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reason why I let people know that, man, you know, you know, one thing, you know, the biggest, the, the biggest propaganda in the world is to tell somebody they don't belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I'm gonna break. Yeah. Uh, that that that's that's the monotony in education that we need to stop. You know what I mean? Like, nah, we've been here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So with that being said, it puts another kind of power and another kind of drive in our young kids. Nah, man, we didn't come from Africa. We from right here. And once you start feeling like this is your land, then you start treating it as such. So. You know, if you feel if, if they all they've told you all your life was you was a savage and you come from somewhere else, then you know, what what are the kids gonna act like? Well, they're not gonna act then, like kings and queens. Well, and I love the fact that there's space for what I'm hearing. Also, is that we need to have more curiosity. We need to dig deeper. We need yeah. to honor the, the the variety of ways that that we are who we are. You know, some some of our people are from the continent. You know, my daughter, you know, is is uh, is half away. Uh, her father's from Ghana, and so I think that you know. But I I love what you're saying that we need to make sure that what the way we look at the land and the way we look at identity, which I know connects to a lot of your work. Mm-hmm. Um. This this idea of of people who have run from the south or denigrate the south. Um, see the South as backwards, see the Black South as um, not progressive, not innovative. You all stand and speak against that. And, and um, I, I don't know, um, CeeLo, if we could invite you in to speak a little bit about, I, I think it's a counter narrative that you all present when we talk about what does it mean to be a Black man of the South um, and what does Southern mean? I mean, you all have a country song. Y'all talking about going off road. You all are playing with your accents in these different kinds of ways, but you're claiming it right inside of your own self. I love it. I love to go off road. I love to drive. I'm not scared of the country. When I hear black folks say I'm scared to go in the country, I'm not scared. That's where I refuel. But but uh, CeeLo, can we invite you back in? Just want to hear a little bit about your thoughts about going off road and, and being Southern and black. First things first, we must define and redefine being a human being. Yes. You know, um, because black or any other ethnicity or classification is, um, it's a way to colonize, you know what I mean? Uh, it's a way to group and gather, you know what I mean? Like and conquer and divide, yes. you know what I mean? Um, black, brown and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Like, but there's a human element um, that should be the standard, you know what I mean? Um, that we should address each other with. You know what I mean? And that's the equality that we must reestablish. You know what I mean? Like, um, and in that, you know what I mean? There would be a degree, a large degree of decency and integrity. You know what I mean? Um, and then we could begin to correct, um, you know, codes of conduct, you know, within these classifications. You know what I mean? So. To just be black sounds sounds limiting, and I, we, I know we have to I know we have to wear it. You know what I mean? Like you know, like as a badge of honor. But there's no coincidence in the verbiage and the way that it is associated with a negative connotation 
of being blackmailed or blackballed or blacklisted. You know what I'm saying? And I think that all of those uh, categories, uh, all of those um, caveats, you know what I mean? Like, I think they apply to actually being black. You know what I mean? Like, and so is that some type of admission to say that yes, we uh, of a darker um, complexion, you know what I mean, are black mailed and black bald and black listed, you know, in our homeland, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's first recognize, um, i tell you another thing too, um, Christianity, you know what I mean? Like when you wear the cross, mm -hmm. if you ever notice the way that it's depicted in, in the vampire movies, the, the vampires hiss at the cross, right? When they see it. So the cross, you know, represents a light, you know what I mean? Um, um, and, you know, but it also represents a marking because if you put a circle around a cross, it becomes a what? A crosshairs. Yeah. So same way you can put the crosshair on a target is the same way you put the target on your back when you claim Christianity in an, old head, old, old, in an unholy land. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, like, so we, uh, you know, we've been targeted, you know what I mean, like, and colonized in that way. Um, and so, therefore, truth is the transparency. Clear, when, I, when, you, when, you, when you say truth and transparency, you imply clarity. You imply, um, um, you know, where... The where clear, if your communication is clear and if your stance is clear, then clear becomes a color. Clear becomes a classification. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, you know, when we eloquate and we want to have an intellectual exchange about this, that, and the third, we're trying to speak, you know, and emphasize with the clarity that our points of reference and our perspectives become clear. And clear becomes the color. And I mean, like, and when we're all clear with each other, there's there's that that humanity, you know what I mean? And there's that equality that we all are hoping for. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So on, on more on, as I grow older and I mature, on more occasions now, I strive to be clear more than I strive to be black because I am black, apparently. You don't have to try to be black. Being black is a given. Yes, clear. clear. I, and you know what? I, when I teach my students, I talk about this concept. See, that makes sense though, because I know I know that no, was you are. I know that, that was that was that was new wave right there. Oh, I, no, I, no, actually, I'm gonna join you. I'm gonna join you in this. Watch this. I I'm gotta a, wait, sister. Wait a minute. I gotta make sure I get a, a nod from my brothers, big brothers. How was that? Did that sound all right? I roll with it. Okay. I like that. I roll with it. I mean, because when you talking about black. There's no light in black. Yes. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like it's it's all about it's all about your ethnicity right now. You, you feel what I'm saying? So a color, the most high doesn't deal with color, he deals with nations. When people come to the UN, you don't have nobody that's that behind their head says black. Their nation is behind their head, whether it's Zimbabwe or whether it's Ghana, or whether it's Negro land or whether it's wherever, behind there is where they represent. It's not a color back there. That's you a great. That's a great point. I knew to ask you because I knew you was going to say some fucking provocative shit like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. Of course, no. It's, it's about it's about growth in 2020. You know what I mean? It's about it's about enlightening. It's about enlightening people with not with just 
not with just um, tongue wrestling. It's, it's about having facts. It's about yeah. going. It's about going to where. It's about doing research, yeah. not with just Wikipedia and Google. It's about definitely doing research and going into into books that's been documented, that's been written, and yeah. that has dates on it. So I, I, don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to take up everything, but um, we're we definitely oh, about survival. It's about survival, kid, and it starts with your mind first. If your mind is not right, there's no way you're going to be able to survive in any type of situation. If you go into prison, if your mind is right when you go into prison, and you might be able to make it out of there okay. But if your mind is not right going into a war, then the chances of you winning is, 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 is not good. You know what I'm saying? And a smart general will not let you go into war if your soldiers' minds are not right. Right. You, you feel me? So I think with this survival kit, I think it's growth, especially with, with us. I think it's growth with us, man. You know what I'm saying? We was 20 something, 26 years old. Low was, what, four, three years younger than us. Yeah. And now, you know, we were able to, we've been able to weather whatever's been thrown at us and, and to come back now with, you know what I'm saying, with some music that uh that don't turn our backs to what's going on now. You feel me, yeah, T? I <clears throat> well, actually, I'm glad y'all said that because I wanted to. Oh, you know, oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm no. sorry. I, I, we we cut the queen off. The queen was about to say something valid. Oh, no, I was gonna say. Um, so, it's brother CeeLo. Yes. But sir. you were talking about being clear, and then you were seeking some kind of um, feedback around how that was landing as you were saying it and you were saying this was you know this was some was that it was that a first iteration of you saying that in that particular way have you i mean tonight was that like a new awareness um or a new kind of way of framing that um it's 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 a familiar it's a familiar phrase you know what i mean um uh, uh but but no it, it it was something that in the moment of me saying it, it i started to feel it yeah. Take take a shape and a form, yeah. you know, and a formality. You know what I mean? Like as a point that I was trying to convey. Yeah. Um, but no, I had thought this to myself before, and I and I've probably had some honorable mentions of it as a perspective and as a concept. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, but you know, it was starting to really flow like a like a a a, a discovery. You, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I had never really elaborated or expounded on it. I don't think in so many words. So uh, it felt like um, it felt like a flow, and it felt like a rhythm. It felt like something uh, something ordained. You, you know yeah. what I mean? I wanted to make yeah, sure like you were, that was being received. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I felt it felt like it was challenged. So it was something of a an out of body experience for a minute or so. But yeah. I, I also wanted to say this too, with the go with what, what Joe just said. Yes, the, the, like there's no light and darkness. And I actually saw something that that made me that was relative. It says um, that's why the devil needs darkness so he can lie. CeeLo, I've heard you talk about your mom. Yes. Can you call, just call her name out because I just feel like you just sound like her right now from what I've heard you talk about your mom. Oh, yes. Like, you know, I don't, I don't take any credit for, for, um, um, for any, for anything, for anything that I am, or anything that I've become, you know what I mean? Like it was, uh, my only inclination is, you know, the, the, the transitional, you know, and, 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 uh, possession of spirit. You know what I mean? Um, that that I definitely felt something come into me very young. You know what I mean? And and um, 
And so I believe that this is my mother speaks, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I believe that I'm a host for her spirit and her wildest dream come true for me. You know what I'm saying? So when she transitioned, I feel like it was the old me. My pastor would say the old man. So it was the old man that died in me. You know what I mean, like, and I'd be just, and all of a sudden I became possessed. I became wise beyond my years and very talkative, very expressive, uh, you know, um, and very confident, you know, at my core. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because um, my, my mother was the truth. I wish you could have really met her. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, we were talking about mothers who mothered the dungeon. Yes, I must. I have to mention my mother as well too, because my mother passed about three weeks before the release of Soul Food. And fortunately for us, the the the, head, the, the label offices were located in Atlanta, right on Peachtree, across the street from Lenox Mall. As a matter of fact, if you're familiar, and um, you know, I was able to go up there and, and and be able to stop the presses and be able to dedicate that album to my mom in just enough time. Uh, before it was mass produced and, 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 and shipped off. So yeah, my, my mother was fascinating. My mother was um, one of the first black fire women, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. Um, my grandmother, her name is Ruby Robinson, bless her soul, bless both of the souls. My grandmother was partnered with Nancy Reagan for the Just Say, Just Say No campaign. My grandmother, Cole, Cole more or less, she, she owns a piece of the publishing of Just Say No. That was her and Nancy Reagan's campaign together. Uh, so my, my, my both, I, I come from some very strong women, very, 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 very majestic women. Yeah. We all do. We honor them. I know, I know, um, Dr. Easley wanted to get us back to, to brother Timo. Yeah. Come on, Mo. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you for everything y'all said. Okay. So yeah, I, I now want to holler at my HBCU brother for, for a moment, you know, cause I'm, I'm also an HBCU grad myself. What's the school? Alabama A&M, Bulldogs, University, Backbone with you from BF. And y'all have performed numerous times there, so I want to thank you all for that. Timo, um, you know, the thing that I noticed about you and your lyrics, you, to me, for me, like, you have an in-your-face style. You just, like, I mean, when you speak, I not only feel you, I'm like, I know you heard that. Yeah. And But you're very, in my opinion, particular about certain ways that you say things. So I have a question because on Survivor Kit, you know, Cujo, you know, says, you know, uh, mask on, gloves on, we ain't not the woods yet. The power of the mind is my survival kit. And the question I have for you though, Timo, you know, is what kind of messages for you do you focus on that keeps your emotions centered, hmm. you know, and that also, and I'm going to ask if you could share like what kind of fuels your your lyrics, you know, because I know whenever I see you in interviews, you, you definitely talk about your family, you know, you seem to be very centered in that. But like I said, your style, you like in your face. So I just want to know like what- What fuels that? Like what fuels that, you know, and what messages do you keep to keep you centered and anchored? Well, I, I would say what fuels that man is just my upbringing, you know, my background growing up, growing up in Southwest Atlanta, in a predominantly black community, you know what I mean. It was it was different for me. You know what I mean. I just uh, I can say I was a real small and unsure type of kid at times. You know what I mean. So I got picked on a lot at the park. I picked on a lot, and it, it affected who I am today to this day. You know, and um, I don't know what made people feel like when I was a little kid, I don't know what I, I brought to the table. I guess people in my community, you know, took niceness as a weakness. 
you know, or somebody that's loving or caring or giving as that's weak. You know what I mean? Because they they weren't taught anything other than that. So that shaped and molded me into a in your face. I don't give a damn what you're talking about or what you're thinking about. This is what I'm talking about right now. Here this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't come like that all the time. You know, but when I when I really feel strong about something or very passionate about something, then that's how I bring it. And I'm very passionate about my music because this is the platform that I use to speak on. You know, I'm not you no know, one that's out there trying to, you know, have, talk all over the world. I'm not trying to be a politician. I ain't trying to talk all the time and end. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I want to do is try to incorporate everything you're going to ask me or anything that I feel like I want to tell you about me and my life, about me being with my four brothers on this road, on this mission. You know, since 1995, November 7th, you know, I'm 100% passionate about it, man. I don't mean no harm to nobody. I ain't called nobody name I ever try to, you know, have any type of issue with nobody because that ain't hip hop Southern style. You know what I'm saying? That's hip hop, but they ain't southern style. You know that man. We people always said the South was slow, but I just think it was just a, a a glow in the South of kindness, of generosity. You know, of love. Where we from? Southwest Atlanta. I'm speaking on that. I I I, I wasn't nowhere else. Southwest Atlanta. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm from. The Swats. Mm -hmm. That's why we named it the Swats. Southwest Atlanta too strong. You know what I mean? To let these people know we, this is how we want people to feel about something. You have to speak the energy that you want to become. If I would have said Southwest Atlanta too weak, mm. come on, man. Who want to get behind that type of movement? You know what I'm saying? What's, what's that going to do for my self-esteem? You know what I mean? I go somewhere. Oh, upcoming, we got Southwest Atlanta too weak. It's going to be real quiet. You know what I'm saying? When I come. So that's why I bring the type of energy I bring. I don't, you know, I I could just say it just come from, you know, years of just people taking me for granted, you know, and still to this day, taking me for granted, taking me for, for you know, taking mistaken kindness for weakness. You know what I mean? But it's the way the world is promoted. So I'm cool with it. I've, I've grown to understand the the, uh, the energy of the, the, uh, the music industry. I've grown to understand, you know, the connection you know, of the music industry and the entertainment business. And I understand what it takes to get on different levels in the music industry. And, um, you know, right now, you know, the level we own, I'm very happy with this level we own and that I'm on. I'm very happy and very pleased because I feel like I'm in total control. I know the higher you get, sometimes the less control that you're going to have, you know what I'm saying, with, with your situation. So right now, Good and Mob is in total control of their destiny right now, which is a beautiful thing. This is a, a first for Good and Mob. This is a first for Good and Mob that can actually be able to say, look, we doing this, y'all, together. We working together right now, man. We done locked up the Voltron, locked and loaded, bro. We are working together right in front of our eyes. It's, it's a beautiful thing right now. And not only just that, we symbolizing black unity. We four different grown men that live four different grown lives. But when it's time for Bold trying to lock up, it, it, it's, it's second nature. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So that's the energy. That's where it comes from. It just comes from the brotherhood, the fatherhood. 
You know what I'm saying? It come from the love of my brothers. It come from the passion of us wanting to be great, wanting to do good music. You know what I mean? This is this is the real good in mob. You're seeing people didn't they probably didn't expect to see us 25 years later still coming even harder than we came in 95. Yes. They didn't expect to see that. But believe me, it's only going to get better. That's all I got to say. We can feel it. Um, When we saw you all in Boston and you all were y'all came out and y'all were dancing at the end when oh, ev- when all of you came out mm-hmm. and i'm gonna tell you to see cujo come out and be dancing right there with you all oh yeah <laughs> that was so powerful to us because i said they're still here yes ma'am and y'all look good mm-hmm. but when you're talking about the swats i just have to i just have to just go back in memory lane a little bit as a spellmanite oh, boy. now we used he said oh boy yeah like yeah don't he said don't go too far back in memory mm-hmm. um because i was because we i was there for the very last real freak nick right like right before tupac was killed we we've realized that we were in the underground one day when tupac was there we know mm-hmm. tupac wanted to to join you all um but y'all were the soundtrack for you were over by the marta station in in west end selling mm-hmm. final calls and mm-hmm. bean pies and mm-hmm. incense mm-hmm. sneaking away from home in birmingham mm-hmm. he this wow. is the nephew of reverend james orange oh, oh yeah so yeah. I, you know so I, I spent a lot of time in atlanta uh with my family and a couple of y'all went to school with my cousins uh deidre orange tamara orange leon orange and um, and so for me, I've always had a natural, uh, I think it's natural, you know, uh, connection, you know, like to your music. Cause I feel like y'all were like, when I heard y'all, I was like, man, they rapping my life. I was like, that's, this is me, you yeah. know? And, you know, and so, and, 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 and because of that, I'd like to still, if you don't mind, I'd like to keep it with you, Timo, and then also bring Cujo, okay. in cause I want to ask you to lumberjacks, cause I'm a forester. <laughs> All right, I'm a forester. So when I heard that group, that name, I was like, hold up. What's Wait a minute. What, what's, what's going on? Right. I, need, I need to holler at them. Yeah. As men, you have been intentional of elevating women in particular in y'all music. I remember that beautiful skin, guess who? But I noticed on this album, y'all really are embracing aging, especially with the Amazing Gray song. I mean, you, you y'all are really bringing it, you know, and even though I don't, I don't see Gray, I see Silver on y'all though. Uh, you know, so, but my question is, why is it important for you? And the reason that I'm kind of pointing you two out in particular, you know, um, you know, it's just in some ways, it's kind of the way that I like to say the way y'all attack the track, just this is where y'all do it. Why is it important for you to not just have a message of Southern roots, but y'all do have religion. You do talk about spirit and you actually talk about other lived experiences. You know, I mean, I know, you know, Cujo, you know, like with your accident, you know, you've overcome that and you know how you talk about that, you know, you know, beautifully, you know, you know, Timo, how you, you know, how you actually talk about, you know, how you came into the game and your connection with Pac, you know, and, and all of that. I just want to know why is it important for y'all to have these multiple messages in your music? And as a man like me who cares about the environment, I just love how y'all do it. So that's what I want to know. So we want to start with Cujo. Start with Cujo. Well, well, if you don't mind, I like to start with Timo, Timo because he was just talking, and then yeah. and and then and then come over to Brother Cujo with the layered messaging. Layered messaging. Okay, Timo. Yeah, uh, I would just say, you know, with with the whole Tupac, you know, thing. I, I didn't really know the brother like that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I didn't know him at first like that. You know, I, we we actually ended up meeting him and developing a quick, very short-lived relationship with him because of his early demise. But, um, you know, 
his publicist came up to us one one night. We were doing a show at the warehouse, and I guess you know I was I was the closest in proximity to her. So she came up to me and and you know told me that Tupac wanted to get with us and all this stuff. So I'm thinking like you know Tupac in jail. You know how is that? You know she was like, well I'm his publicist. I'm his publicist. You know I've been speaking with him and he's very interested. He's trying to you know see what he can do to get get with y'all. He want to get with y'all for real. Like he love y'all. I was like, damn, you know, okay, wow. You know, we just brand new to the game. You know what I mean? That's that's honorable. That feel good because I loved him at that time. I loved his music and loved his movies, all that stuff. You know, we were big fans. And um, you know, we we ha actually had the opportunity when he got out of jail to meet him at the Soul Train Music Awards backstage, and um, had some interesting conversations with him. You know what I mean? And ended up going to the studio with him and. It, it, it was a good, it was a fun, you know, fun little short little moment for us, exciting, you know, just to be honored by him, you know, and treated like 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 a king every time we came around him. You know what I mean? He treated us like we were the kings, like he did, you know, and it was awesome. It was a great, you know, humbling experience. Um, you know, Timo Goody just try to put, you know, what he can put in the music to try to touch somebody, to try to make somebody think, you know. Um I was start. I, I was. I my whole rap career main inspiration, man. Real, real smoke, man. Is 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 Cujo. I'm about to say Timo. It's Cujo. You know what I'm saying? Cujo Goody. When I we was in college, Cujo brought me a, 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 a record. You know what I mean? Let me hear him on this record. And it was like we first got to college too. I'm talking about this might have been. It was first semester early, so. He let me hear this record. I said, oh man, you know, you know, that's dope. Well, you can rap. You know, I never tried it before. I'm like, man, he can, he can flow. Dang, you know, boy, you got something there, boy. So I went in there in the lab and I was gonna just prove to him. So we were, man, we would ride around all day long in the car, drinking and smoking and doing everything we weren't supposed to be doing in the car. But at the same time, we'd be freestyling, just freestyling, back and forth all night long. Just Freestyle. I mean, go ride around the city. Ain't had no destination. Just ride. You know, we pull up in the club parking lot and, and pimp it out. You know what I'm saying? And then leave, go to the next parking lot. You know what I mean? So it was that was a young, the life of a young man back in the day. And they still doing it like that to this day. To this day, they still doing it like that. And um, all that's you know, juice for the you know, for the for the locomotive, for the motor. That's juice for the motor, all of it. Everything I live, everything we live and sucked in and we're able to experience together, all that try to we try to bring that through the music. You know what I mean? And it's been a strong year, you know, I, I can say for us all the way around the board, just being with so much adversity at hand. You know what I mean? We all, this is different. 12 months ago, this didn't exist. The lifestyle we living right now, you mask. What am I gonna put a mask on for? You know what I'm saying? What? Now it's like, you don't have one on, you're looking crazy. You know what I mean? So we should, it's time for us to address and, and talk about all that stuff right now, all that's necessary, you know, that Timo. Thank you, Timo. Thank you for that, Timo. Yeah. Cool so, yeah, we wanted to hear from Cujo too, right? On mm -hmm. on on the layers that you bring. Layers the messages. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, you know what? I just um I just think now, man, that uh we kind of mastered. Now looking, it's like hindsight 2020, I think looking now, I think that we kind of like mastered the thing of balance with our music, you know what I mean? Because 
like I said, we definitely from all walks of life and we can talk about all type of stuff, all type of grimy, all type of grimy stuff we done seen or, or done done. But it, it's about balance, you know what I mean? And I think that's what soul food was. It was like a balanced meal, you know what I mean? All of us took on uh, uh, parts of the food group, you know what I mean? And, and kind of had like a theme with that, you know what I mean? So. It was a it was a balanced album, you know what I mean. It's, and we was young and, and we're organized noise. We was all organized noise. Them at the same age we are, so they kind of felt how we felt, but they felt it different with the music. So they brought a variety of music to us, and we brought a variety of, of, of poetry, a variety of lyrics from from our household. Cause I was just mainly writing my stuff in my house, you know what I mean, at the time, and then coming coming to the dungeon and seeing what it sound like to music. You know what I mean? So most of that stuff was just, you know, just written on, um, I'm, I'm being a young black male and this is my voice. You know what I mean? Because I've seen people like Curtis Blow do it. I saw people like the Fat Boys do it. I seen people like Houdini do it. They came to my school at Southwest Middle School. So not only was I influenced by like breaking and Beach Street, these guys actually came to my school and I was actually able to touch and, and see them. And that just kind of, man, hip hop just kind of grabbed a hold of me then, back then and then before even Goody Mob, uh, me and Gip was in a group with, uh, with organized noise, Ray Murray called Six Sense. And it was almost like we was like trying to emulate Public Enemy at that time. But the Gip was rhyming and, and uh, Ray Murray was rhyming and making the beats and I was kind of like a hype man, you know what I mean? So I just kept at it, kept at it, developed my voice. My voice didn't always sound like this. I just sound like Easy E in a big man voice, in a big man body. Hmm. Yeah, so it was just all about developing, man, and seeing other people doing it and be like, man, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. I can do that too. Ghetto boys, they on deck, they represent the South. Luke represents the South, who's going who's gonna to be the standard, the gold standard for Atlanta, Georgia? Who's going to be that? Who's going to be those, who's going to be those guys? You know what I mean? So Outkast, they opened the door for us and we came in through the window. We came in through the back door. We came in through the basement, came in through the attic. It was just open doors for us. So it was time for it was time for Atlanta, Georgia to, to speak. It was time for us to speak. Because James Brown spoke. I mean, uh, uh, Lil' Richard spoke. Uh, Otis Redding spoke. You know what I'm saying? So and now it's time for another generation to speak another language, grabbing back from those greats. And just kind of being able to uh, balance that thing off. So I think we mastered balance right now with this survival kit, man. That's powerful. So we know that we're after eight o'clock. I want to thank you so much. And we want to honor your time. And we want to close out here shortly. And so I really just have, because you had a question about soul food. I got one about survival kit. So I want to ask yeah. you first, because you're going to ask that. I, you want to do yours first? I want to just go ask ahead, queen, go ahead, go a ahead. half and a, and a, a half and then a question. <laughs> All right. With, um, with For My People, we've yeah, been, yeah. okay, we've been listening. We've, listen, we've been listening to this album on repeat. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. We've been listening to it on repeat. But for my people, I love I love off road, but for my people, uh, I don't know who can answer this. I don't know if this is get listen, the horns, 
Yeah, look at Gip. Yeah, Gip, uh, yeah, come on, come on. Brother Gip, brother Gip. The beginning when I hear the horns, mm -hmm. is that lift every voice and sing? Yes, it is. Yes, that's, that's, I told you. You, did it. you knew it. You. God, she said it. Yes, it is. That's 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 one of the things that my my genius genius big bro uh, Ray Murray from Organized Noise he he hit me to that after the record was even done. He was like, people don't even know we put uh, lift every voice in there. The average ain't even gonna hear it till it's gone. I did. Me? So, I know. So, Tell yes, him so thank glad. you. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. And it's so dope because we're shooting that video next weekend on the 18th. We about to shoot that video, man, because we going that is such a special song. Like when Mo went in there and laid that hook, I knew that record was gonna be big. Mm -hmm. I knew I knew people was gonna feel this record because the way he sung that record and the way the record feels, it just it just opened up a whole nother portal for us. When he laid that hook, I was like, wow. You know, that's what I'm saying. You got such great. You got clarity in our in our, in our verses. You got weight in our verses, and then shoot, you know, Gip. If you ain't never heard Gip sing, I did a, the fourth verse. I sung for you, so that was the first time that I've ever sung on a Goody Mar record. So for me personally, it's it's a it's a it's a great achievement for me because I feel like I did something different that I haven't been able to really get across during these years of uh, doing music. So you know, hey man. You you all are healing. I feel like with, with soul food, you you were feeding us, and with survival kit, you're healing us. Um, Who what? Ah, <laughs> what? The mob, man. The mob, man. The mob. That's all we want to do. Palm tree, man. <laughs> Much respect. Well, I know Dr. Easley got, has a question because we got to respect y'all's yeah, yeah, time and respect your time because I know because I know you got some performances and coming up people. soon and everything. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I do. I know you want to. Have, no, so no, you, you go ahead. Okay, yeah. so here we go. Okay, here the question. This is something for all four of you, please. Okay, if you if you want to answer, it's a two part question. That's why I got to do it. First thing is on soul food. What is the best soul food now? Hold on, hold on, because. Survivor Kid Soul Food Part Soul Food Two, as a couple of y'all have said in interviews. The next question is, what should be in my survival kit? Now I'm gonna tell you what's in mine already. Soul food is in my survival kit. Survivor kits is in my survival kit. Yes. Agent right. Machines in my survival yes, kit. Yes, Okay, well, Monkey Don't Stop the Show is in my survival kit. All right. Uh World Party. And of course, I gotta, you know, put the whole deal. Everything from Backbone Wish Doctor, okay, mm -hmm. everybody. But I want to hear from you, Kings, what's if you don't mind. First, what's y'all soul food? And then what's in that survival kit? So we can start with CeeLo. Bro, okay. Bro, brother CeeLo, what, what's your favorite soul food in the car? My, my favorite soul food? Um, I'm going to go with something. I'm going to go with, well, I guess it's, it's, I guess this last few years has been like for Thanksgiving. We, uh, we fry the turkeys now, so... Survival kit, 
you know what? The way that we listen to music now is through our, our phones, the way we communicate through our phones. So I would definitely say a means of communication. But you know, off road is being off grid. You know what I mean? So like we actually um walkie talkies the other day. Um, so I guess me generally just a means of communication. Um, I do suffer. I'm an asthmatic, so I would have to have an inhaler. Um, you know, um, some 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 uh some protection. Uh, handgun. You know, yeah. rifle. <laughs> Gotta have some non-perishables. Some um some honey roasted cashews and peanuts. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, okay, I don't know why my phone keep automatically up, um, muting for some reason. But, um, man, I got to have some bottled water for sure. You know what I mean? Because I know I, I do a lot of walking. I got to have a power cord for my phone. Hopefully, I can find some type of power if I, if I can power it up at all. Yeah. Um, I, I want to have me a knife, you know what I mean, so I can cut if whatever I need to cut. And, you know, I got to have that. I want to have uh, a sleeping bag if I can have that, definitely so I can lay down in halfway comfort. Um, gotta have a lighter, you know what I mean, so I can make a fire if I, if I need a fire. I gotta have my Bible so I can stay close to my word. I gotta have um, I gotta have my pistol just in case somebody try to run up and hurt me. You know what I mean? It's all the flashlight so I can see at night. Right. You know I mean? it's hard to see it when it's dark outside. Um, and I just wanna um. 
I don't know. I, I want to have my family with me. Period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To the best of my ability. You know that's 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 how I survive. That's family my kit. number one survival kit. What, what's yeah. your favorite soul food, brother? My favorite soul food, man, fried chitlins. Now I'm just teasing with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a, I, my favorite. I would say probably. Uh, my, my grandmama's fried chicken, collard green. You know what I'm saying? Black eyed peas, macaroni and cheese. You know that's that's it. That's that's it for me. Fried my grandmama's fried chicken before she passed. That's my favorite soul food ever in life. All right, shout out to grandma's fried chicken, and we gonna oh, we gonna hear from Gib. Yes. Your favorite your wow. favorite soul food, brother. Brother Gib. My favorite soul food. Uh, yep. Mm, my favorite soul food. I ain't gonna tell you no lie. It's my mama chicken and my grandmama pig ear. Pig ear? Yeah. Yeah. And my daddy, my daddy used to cook a good a good pot of them uh them chicken feet, man. That that, that was some light bread. But That's way to awesome. go. But with, yeah. But with that being said, for the house, we go do we, we need a deep freezer and we need a generator. So when the lights go and the water go, we still going. But outside of that, just a lot of ammunition and guns, artillery. You know, the rest of it, it, it's a garden in the back. If you ain't got no garden right now, you're crazy. Y'all see what we went through last year. Now, if these, if these trucks stop running, that means the grocery stores will be empty. So for anybody right now, I would say go out there and get you a garden. I deal with... Me and my brother took care of the garden yesterday, man. We had to go put that cover over that over the garden, man. Make sure we don't lose our, our crops doing while these cold nights going on. So that's what I would say, man. You got to know how to garden. You got to know how to farm. And you got to know how to shoot. The rest is all on you. We appreciate you all. When um, we, we have to tell you that part of the spark that that lit this this connection that we have was when he when he said he was into hip hop back in 2013. We walking down Jones Street in Raleigh, and I said, "Well, what, what, how you feel about you know? Uh, you, you, do you know about Goody Mob?" And he was like, "What you know about DF?" And I said, "I said you like you like that song Soul Food." And he's like, "What you know about it?" And I said, "He, he been helping a fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and collard greens too big for my jeans. Smoked things from under the lid that's on the fire. Ain't never had a lot of single for the little that I got." So I just want to let y'all know, like I said, y'all are part. We love y'all. We love you. Y'all are part of our creek creek creation. We 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 write. We are authors. We are creators. We make music. We're educators. But it's following, as you all have said, the branches of the Dungeon family, and in particular for us, is uh, it's the spirit of Good and Moby. And so uh, I've really, tr- gentlemen, this has been a dream and a prayer come true. And um, I, I just, I just thank you for your time. You know, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so humbled. It's one thing to meet you, and that's another thing to come with you. Yeah, and we and we pray y'all stay safe, healthy. Thank you for the kind words and the well wishes. Bless you both. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bless brother CeeLo. Thank you, all of you. We appreciate your time. Hey, y'all had a chance to see the video? Yes. Of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, I thought that, I thought, you know, of course, Frontline, y'all got it, you know. And then, I, of course, y'all got Chuck D on the first song. So, I'm. hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm ready. And okay. I'm ready to see the next one. Uh, I just, okay, shameless, I just got, are y'all going to do a video for Curry Goat? Curry Goat. We love Curry Goat. I'm going to video goat. for Curry Goat. We might. We might yeah. do that. Yeah.
please. That, that, I can't <laughs> stop playing that. Yeah. No rainbows without. Um, yeah, no rainbow. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. When y'all first released that last year, we were on that. So yeah. just want to thank you all for continuing mm. to drop music and all your solo projects. Because I got all y'all solo projects. What's, Timo, yours too. What's Cougar. brother CeeLo saying? I got you. All right. Oh, listen, Rodrigo. Delicacy, delicacy. Mm. But yeah, well, I made I made my students do a whole writing assignment about the Dirty South. Mm -hmm. So it's the Duke University students from all over the world that had to study the Dirty South and explain to me what it meant and, and explain how you all are actually the documentarians of your communities. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so this is real. And the Ivy League will always respect the Goody Mob because you all have, because you all are educators. You, you are. Know, you all are just hip hop artists. Y'all are educators. Y'all educate from so many different forms. So Yale is fortunate to have you as a part of what we're doing. And I, like I said, I just I just want to thank y'all. Thank you. Appreciate the love, man. Thanks for the support. Right. Thank, thank you, Thomas. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sweetheart. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye -bye. Thank you. And everyone that's listening to the podcast, you just heard uh, you just heard us interview um, pioneers of hip hop, not just southern hip hop, but of hip hop. Uh, getting so for those who are listening, please go and support, go and check out Survival Kit, and go check out any of the other albums. And also want to say check out any of the our other episodes on Heartwood. And before I close off, can't do that without hollering at my brother Nadine. You still that leader? Yes, sir. Nadine is probably like, I don't know what in the world they were doing on that episode. No, no. <laughs> uh, Nadine that was head great. To oh, no. Nadine is straight yeah. up. I think I think I learned more during that last hour than I did studying for my finals for the past couple of weeks. So. See? Uh, <laughs> wow. Wait, what? Word, wait. Word to the wise. Word to the wise. Tune into to Heartwood if you want to uh, get your brain up. The Hardwood Podcast is a production of the Yale School of the Environment in New Haven, Connecticut. Our producer is Nadine Damien, a joint degree master's student between the Yale School of the Environment and the Yale Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, pursuing degrees in environmental management and international and development economics. I am Dr. Thomas Rashard Easley, and we'll see you next time.